You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we learned yesterday the words of Rabbi Yossi, who says, look, we have to trust people because if we don't trust them, they're going to go off and they're going to build their own altar or they're going to burn their old their own red heifer. In other words, for the sake of communal unity, sometimes we have to blur a line and we have to trust people. And the next two Mishnayot, as we finish the tractate of Chagiga, go a little bit more into these questions about trusting. And the fifth Mishnah begins, Min hamodi'it velifnim, ne'manim al klei cheres. From the Modi'it, there seems to be the town of Modi'in, and I've translated it as Modi'in. I mean, we know Modi'in, it's on the train line between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, and it's always been there. It's mentioned in the Mishnah in Pesachim. It's about 15, I think it's about 15 kilometers, no, it's about 30 kilometers from Jerusalem, 15 mil. So it's pretty close to Jerusalem. So, min hamodi'it velifnim, from modi'in inwards, in other words, close to Jerusalem. They are trusted. Well, who are trusted? We're talking about amha'aretz here. So, we're talking about an amha'aretz, someone who's not careful about tuma and tara. And yet, we're going to use their earthenware vessels. We're actually going to use their earthenware vessels for temple service. And why is that? Because the temple has got an insatiable, insatiable demand for earthenware vessels. Because once a vessel is used, it is thrown away. The, um, the earthenware absorbs some of the food. And of course, the food in it, if it's not eaten within uh, 24 hours, it becomes notar, it becomes leftover. We can't have leftover sacrifices just hanging around. They have to be burnt. So the earthenware vessels that have got traces of food on them have to be burnt. They have to be destroyed. So the temple is always consuming earthenware. And in fact, I mean, earthenware was basically pretty common stuff in the ancient world. If you go into any archaeological dig, you just find piles and piles and piles of smashed earthenware. People used to write messages on earthenware. It was, it, you know, it was, I won't, I don't want to say it was like paper, but it's, you know, something that was continually being produced and used and re and, and, and thrown away. So we used, and why didn't they produce the earthenware actually in Jerusalem? Well, there's a really interesting um, um, discussion in Baba Kama about the ways in which Jerusalem was special, different features of the city of Jerusalem. And one of them, by the way, is that they used to take care of the environment. And there's a remark in the Talmud in Baba Kama, ve'ein or simba kivshonot. We don't build kiln, we don't build kilns in her, and that means in Jerusalem. We don't build kilns in Jerusalem. Mishum kutra, because of the smoke. We don't want all the smoke from the kilns disturbing the beauty or the peace of the city of the Jerusalem. So we don't build kilns there. That means, of course, we have to buy in all of our earthenware from around. So from as far away as Modi'in. And I guess that, that Mishnah is saying, look, someone who is close enough to Jerusalem from Modi'in inwards is someone that essentially can be trusted to have respect for the requirements of the Beit Migdash. And therefore, we can rely on them 
to complete their pottery making in purity, in tahara. So when the vessel is finished, as we learned yesterday, it's um it 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 can it's makabel tumah. When when the vessel is finished, it can receive tumah. So it needs to be finished in a pure state, and we trust amharats from modi'in inwards to finish their vessels in a pure state and to keep them in a pure state. How does it work? Ketzad. Hakadash hu mocher et hakaderot. Nichnas lifnim min hamodiint. So a potter who sells the pots, he comes inwards from modiin. Hu hakadar vehein hakaderot vehein halakuchin neeman. The same potter, the same pots, and the same buyers are trusted. And that seems to mean that the potter himself who's coming in from Modi'in inwards, or if we see pots which are carried in from Modi'in inwards, or if there are buyers who've seen the potter come in from Modi'in inwards, we can trust all of these. Yatsa eno ne'eman. And if he goes out, if he if he goes the other way, if he goes from Modi'in outwards away from Jerusalem, he's not trusted. I guess because he can then buy pots in the wholesale market outside Modi'in. Once you leave the, once you go further away from Jerusalem from Modi'in, you're not trusted anymore. But inside Modi'in, inside this kind of, as, once you're as close as Modi'in, you are. And the same kind of principle, by the way, seems to apply to people who are right at the bottom of the social scale. And you'll remember that when we learned the Mishnah of Megillah, we learned that the um, we, we learned the requirement for 10. We need a we need a, um, a we need a public of 10 adults in order to read from the Torah and to carry out other holy acts. The community is defined by 10. And we looked at the Gemara, which learns the, the number 10 out from the most unlikely possible groups of people. It learns it out from the 10 spies who gave evil report of the land of Israel and from the community of Korach, as if to say, look, any 10 will do. They can be the 10 most low-life people among the people of Israel, but they're good enough to, to, to constitute a community. And similarly, in the sixth Mishnah, tax collectors, tax collectors, and the commentators make clear that these are tax collectors working on behalf of foreign kings. These are not popular people, the tax collectors. They're working on behalf of foreign kings and they enter a house, presumably to take something away as a pledge. They want to take a pledge for tax, which is due. Or, or thieves. Thieves went into a house and they stole some vessels. And then afterwards they had second thoughts. And they brought them back, just as a tax collector might bring back the pledge if he's paid for his taxes. And in either case, the Mishnah says, Ne'emanim, they are trusted, they are believed. Lomar lo naganu, if they say we haven't touched. If they say we haven't touched the insides of the vessels, i.e. the vessels remain in their purity, we believe them, even though they're thieves. <laughs> even though they're tax collectors. And in Jerusalem, they're believed with regard to sacred things. So we believe them even with regard to vessels which might be used on the altar. 
And during a festival, we also believe in with regard to Truma. We learned when we looked at the last few Mishnayot that because there's a there's a uh, there's a, a seriousness, a weightiness, um, uh, an awe of the temple service. We actually trust people for temple service vessels more than we touch them for truma, for ordinary food, which is just eaten by ordinary priests. But during the festival times, everybody's trusted, even Amharets, even people who are not normally careful about Tuma and Tara. So during a festival, we trust them with regard to truma as well as with regard to sacred things. What about someone... What about someone who started to trust the Amharats, the regular people during the festival? What happens after the festival? So does this trust endure? The Mishnah continues, et chavito, someone who opened up his wine jar. Someone who broke, who started off his dough. On account of the festival. So he, the festival is going. He's in Jerusalem. He's opened up his stores. He's probably a storekeeper. He's opened up his stores. Possibly an Amharetz has touched the wine or has touched the dough. Can he carry on? Is it? And during the festival, we've said we trust. We trust these people during the festival. Do we trust them? What happens after the festival? Rabbi Yudalmer. Yigmor, Rabbi Yudah says he may finish. In other words, he can finish off selling the remainder of the wine or selling the remainder of the dough after the festival. And so Rabbi Yudah seems to be saying, perhaps we really do trust the Amaharats. So his status as pure during the festival is, uh, let's say, a, a physical reality. We trust him, so the anything he's touched remains pure after the festival. Or maybe, maybe Rabbi Yudai is saying, look, you know, if we don't let the householder keep the rest of the wine jar or the rest of the dough, if this wine jar or dough becomes inedible the day after the festival ends, he's never going to open it up during the festival. So in other words, we, we have to give people, we have to cut people a little bit of slack just in order that they can function. That may be what Rabbi Yudah is saying. And the sages disagree, by the way. The sages say, no, he may not finish it. So the sages are saying effectively, not that the Amaharetz is tahor, not that the Amaharetz is pure. He's saying, we treat him as pure during the festival. We're particularly lenient during the festival, but that's a halachic reality, which is not to do with the physical reality. And if he's touched something after the festival, it just reverts to the state it would have reverted to if he touched it on any other day. And the halakha, by the way, does not go according to Rabbi Yudah. And you can see this, by the way, from the end of the Mishnah. You can see, by the way, we're getting to the end of Chagiga, because the Mishnah says, Misha Avar Haregel, when the festival is over. So we are already, if you like, counting the clock to the end of the festival. When the festival is over, they, when the festival is over, they, they went over the purification of the whole of the temple court. In other words, 
the temple's been kind of trampled on it. The temple's been used by everybody. And during the festival, we presume them to be tahor, we presume them to be pure. But now, after the festival, we are now going to repurify the temple. If the festival ended on Friday, actually, we hold off because of Kavot HaShabbat. We don't actually do this work on Friday. And Rabbi Yudalmer, Rabbi Yudah says, you know, we don't even do this on Thursday. Because the Kohanim aren't free. The priests aren't free. The priests are pretty busy. Let's say Thursday is the first free day. The priests are going to be so busy just cleaning out the ashes from the altar and doing everything else they have to do at the end of the festival. They're not going to have time to purify it. So we're going to leave it on Thursday. We're going to leave it on Friday. And then obviously on Shabbat, we're not going to purify the temple. Then on Sunday, everything starts afresh. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.